0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HBR Minute HCI Podcast episode, I explore the recent HBR video, How Apple is Organized for Innovation, the Functional Organization. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today on this beautiful Monday morning. And as we start our week, I wanted to share with all of you a recent HBR video, which is part of a three-part series on leadership models for innovation. So the video I'm going to be exploring with you today is a short video titled, How Apple is Organized for Innovation, the Functional Organization. When Steve Jobs arrived back at Apple in 1997, he laid off general managers of all business units and combined disparate functional departments into one functional organization. This is just part one of three videos in this series. Part two is on the leadership model, and part three is on leadership at scale. The adoption of a functional structure may have been unsurprising for a company of Apple's size at the time. What is surprising, in fact, remarkable is that Apple retains it today, even though the company is nearly 40 times as large in terms of revenue and far more complex than it was in 1998. Senior vice presidents are in charge of functions, not products. As was the case with jobs before him, CEO Tim Cook occupies the only position on the organizational chart where the design, engineering, operations, marketing, and retail of any of Apple's main products meet. In effect, besides the CEO, The company operates with no conventional general managers, people who control an entire process from product development through sales. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I am excited to share these clips with you and to intersperse some of my commentary with it. And I'll catch you on the flip side of this
1: first clip. What is Apple best known for? Easy answer. For its innovation in hardware software and services for a wide range of products such as computers iphones and ipads now here's what's less known and equally significant about the company its organizational design and the associated leadership model that have played a crucial role in driving its innovation success it all began after steve jobs returned to apple as ceo in 1997. one of his first acts on his return laying off the general managers of all the business units in a single day. Not a move that inspires a welcome party, but there was a method to Jobs' madness.
0: I love organizational design. It's one of my passions And thinking about organizations and how they can run more effectively and efficiently while also meeting the needs of diverse people within the organization and various stakeholders inside and outside of the organization while providing innovative products to customers. I mean, that's that's what gets me excited. And so when I think about innovative organizations, of course, one of the top organizations I consider is Apple. They've consistently come out with some of the most innovative products in their market. In fact, they've transformed the market in certain ways, and they've, they've invented whole new lines of products that didn't exist before them. And so no one can question the innovation that we see at Apple. So the question becomes, How did they get to that innovation, and that's what's going to be explored briefly in this short video. Now, again, as I said in the introduction, this is part one of a three-part series that looks at Apple and how they were able to drive innovation. This episode uh, of the HBR uh, video is specifically in relation to the organizational structure and the organizational design. Now, certainly, there are many other factors and facets that also really matter, and. One of which is just Steve Jobs himself. Now, obviously, having uh, someone who's a creative genius like Jobs at the helm uh, is a huge deal, uh, and you can't uh, overstate the importance of Jobs himself in helping Apple to become what it became. But he did something very early on when he came back to the organization. You know, they'd been struggling; they they were uh, on the verge of of really. Uh, slipping even further down in terms of market share. They just were not being successful. So the board brought him back on. And the first thing he does is a huge organizational shakeup. Let's let's change the organizational design. Let's get a, get rid of traditional managers. That's a huge deal. Now, typically, in most cases, I would suggest that if a new CEO or a new Um, senior executive or administrator in an organization were to come in the organization and immediately just get rid of a whole um, of the bureaucracy of the organizational structure and fire a whole bunch of people, I would say that's probably not a great way to start. You know, normally you join an organization, you get the lay of the land, you spend some time going on a listening tour, listening to people and their needs and learning more about the organization. Now, this is a little bit unique, though, because one, the organization was in big trouble and he was tasked with turning it around. And two, it was his company, right? He he had started it and uh, and he knew it inside and out already. And he knew, uh, or at least he suspected, what it would take to drive innovation in a more sustainable and systematic way within the organization. And so that's why he did that. He got rid of all managers and, he, and it was – the idea being we need to structurally create an environment where innovation can happen, where things aren't getting stalled constantly when someone has a good idea, but rather we can take those good ideas, we can, we can build on them. That's the whole idea behind what Jobs started to do. And as we continue on through this video and the, the additional clips, you'll see a little bit more in terms of specifically how that was accomplished through this organizational
1: redesign. Apple at the time had a conventional structure for a company of its size and scope. It was divided into business units, each with its own profit and loss responsibilities. Jobs believed this conventional management stifled innovation. He put the entire company under one P&L and combined the different functional departments of the business units into one functional organization.
0: So what does Jobs do? He transformed this conventional organizational design of a company for you know its size and scale at the time. And he decides, hey, we're going to break out of these silos because it's, it's restricting innovation. When we have various uh, units, each just focused on their own particular products, we don't have the kinds of collaboration and discussion and sharing of ideas across uh, areas that needs to happen. And furthermore, when each specific area is focused on profit and loss within their own area, uh, it it really restricts the amount of risk-taking that can also occur. And so his first step, let's let's reorganize, let's get rid of those silos, let's integrate, let's connect people together. And so rather than having separate uh, product areas, now we have a functional organization built around functions, and uh, it just made a whole lot of sense. Though unconventional at the time, in the way that Jobs went about doing this, it turned out to just be a huge benefit to spur on uh, continued innovation and the sharing of knowledge across the organization.
1: Simply put, a functional structure divides an organization into departments based on their function. These departments are headed by functional managers who are experts in the roles they supervise. The functional structure, which Apple retains to this day, ensures that those with the most expertise and experience in a particular domain have the decision rights for that domain. Senior Vice Presidents at Apple, then, are in charge of functions, not products. As was the case with Jobs before him, current CEO Tim Cook occupies the only position on the organizational chart, where the design, engineering, operations, marketing, and retail of any of Apple's main products meet. In effect, besides the CEO, the company operates with no conventional general managers.
0: So there are so many ways that you can design a company. And the functional structure of organizational design is just one of the many popular ways to go about doing it. Now, what many organizations also do is they have divisions based on product. And that's what Apple is doing. And that's what Jobs saw as Disrupting the innovation that could occur if people could share more knowledge and have shared responsibility. So rather than having you know a vice president over a particular product area, he integrated all of that and instead had uh, senior uh, leaders who were over functional areas. Uh, and we we see this all the time within organizations. So you have a, a, a chro and you have a coo and and you have all of these different. Uh, individuals that are over specific technical areas. And then they can work in in sort of a matrix fashion as different products and services are being developed. You're going through R&D and you're, you're just trying to better understand the market and understand how to bring new innovative products to the market. Ultimately, that's what Jobs was going for, to have more innovation, more knowledge sharing, and eventually get to the point where they could be rolling out new innovative products that everyone would love and they created a cult almost of brand loyalty towards apple products and this whole apple ecosystem around their products that has driven so much of apple's success over the years i'm excited to announce will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities, and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life.
1: Apple structure is based on two views. First, the organization competes in a market with a high rate of technological change and disruption. It has to rely on the judgment and intuition of technical experts who can predict which technologies and designs are likely to succeed. General managers are unlikely to be able to do that. Second, Apple's commitment to offer the best possible products would not be achieved if cost and price targets were the fixed parameters within which to make design and engineering choices. Instead, R&D leaders are expected to weigh the benefits to users against cost considerations.
0: In order to be successful in a competitive market, Apple has to innovate. They just do, just like all the other tech companies that are out there. And there's always a new tech startup looking to knock down the big players. That's where Apple is today. They're one of the huge players, and they can be disrupted by new technologies, the next company that comes along with the next great idea that, uh, that no one else has thought of. And so while Apple has had some tremendous success, there's no guarantee that they can continue that unless they can lean on the expertise of technical experts. Now, is it possible to have uh, an innovative learning organization that, that puts out amazing products? Uh, when you still have managers, traditional managers within the organizational design and structure, uh, certainly that's possible. But what Apple decided and what Jobs uh, really wanted to do is put the decision-making authority and autonomy into the hands of these technical experts and take away this limitation of just looking at the cost uh, of of products and kind of the traditional metrics when you're going through uh, designing a new product to take to market. Now, if we, if we really value, uh, the user experience and just having the best possible product, that sometimes means you have more expensive components. That sometimes means that the price point, the end price point for this product when it goes to market is going to be quite a bit higher than anyone would traditionally be willing to pay. Well, uh, Apple embraced that. Again, uh, building brand loyalty over time because of their innovative products, they've been able to create uh, a market where people are willing to pay a tremendous amount for what they see as the highest quality products with the most innovative design and uh, technical uh, specs and, and components. And so ultimately, while not every company could probably get away with that, particularly those who don't have that, that level of innovation, Uh, Apple has been able to make it work and they put that decision-making authority in the hands of the technical experts who have the best chance of really tracking where the industry is going, and what consumers are likely going to want as features in their new products, whether it's a, a new iPad or a new iPhone or whatever the case may be.
1: A case in point is the decision to introduce the dual lens camera with portrait mode in the iPhone 7 Plus in 2016. Paul Hubel, a senior leader who played a central role in the portrait mode effort, and his team were taking a big risk. If users were unwilling to pay a premium for a phone with a more costly and better camera, the team would have less credibility the next time it proposed an expensive upgrade or feature. The camera turned out to be a defining feature for the iPhone 7 Plus. Under a traditional structure, Hubel would not have been empowered to take such a risk. And the feature would likely not have been made because traditional cost and price analysis lack a deep understanding of users' needs.
0: This camera example is just a perfect example an application of this Apple Kind of ethic and mantra of bringing the best products to market. Now, many phones, all smartphones, have cameras and they all have pretty decent cameras. So the question became well, how do we deliver the best possible camera in a phone for our customers? Now, I don't know about all of you who are listening but I use my cell phone for everything. I, I don't actually have an Apple, um, but I have a, a nice smartphone and I use it for work and for uh, passing time. I use the camera all the time and I want a nice camera. In fact, having a good camera is one of the number one features I look at when I'm making a choice as to what my new phone is going to be. And so this is something that they had keyed into. They knew that people wanted really great cameras. Now, is it going to be way more expensive to have that really dual lens, that fancy dual lens camera at the time? Yes, absolutely. Um, but they decided to go with it, uh, trusting that that consumers would pay the premium for that extra uh, wonderful camera. And it certainly paid off. And now the new standard is for these, these extra fancy cameras in these high-end smartphones. People are willing to pay because it's one of the main features that people use. In a traditional structure, this probably would have never come about because it would have been just too risky for any um, technicians and and leaders within that area uh, to try to bring it forward. Uh, It would have just been seen as too cost prohibitive and nobody would have taken it seriously in a traditional structure within a traditional company. But the way that they were designed, their organizational design, allowed for risk-taking, and it allowed for this new great idea to come to market. And again, transformed uh, our cell phones to now having even better cameras and, and an understanding that every, that consumers expect it now, that their cameras have to be really great on their cell phones. Otherwise, they're going to go
1: to someone else. It's easier to get the balance right between attention to costs and the value added to the user experience when the leaders making decisions are those with deep expertise in their areas. This explains Jobs' decision to change the way Apple works. The combination of its organizational structure and its leadership model not only saved the company from bankruptcy, but also transformed it into one of the most influential tech companies in the world.
0: Again, I just love this example of Apple and the shift in their organizational design and how it has enhanced their ability to be innovative in a sustainable way over a long period of time. We see tech companies come and go, uh, and it's not enough to just have a good idea and bring a great app or a great product to market once. You have to do it continually, otherwise someone else will beat you out in the future. And Apple has done it consistently now for decades, and they seem poised to continue to do it. They have the structure in place, and combined with a a good innovative leadership model, the, the organizational design creates the structure and allows for the mechanisms of innovation to occur within the organization. It's not unique to Apple either. It can happen within any organization. When you have silos, innovation gets stalled. It just does, and and the risk-taking that is required for innovation uh, often gets stifled. And so we need to break down those barriers. We need to break down the silos. We need to integrate more matrixed and flatter organizations. We need to allow people um, with technical expertise to be able to have decision-making autonomy over how to bring new ideas forward uh, so that they don't get shut down by middle management. These are things that Jobs saw and why he decided to go with the functional design for Apple. Ultimately, when it comes to organizational design, every organization has to consider its industry. It has to consider the types of products and services that it's trying to bring to the market. It has to understand its constituencies and the board and the the leadership model and And the the CEO, like everything goes into deciding what an effective organizational design is is going to be for an organization. Uh, But this Apple example is just a great one to show that when you have a failing company that's about to go bankrupt, bringing in a new innovative leader who's willing to make hard choices and restructure the organization in such a way to drive innovation, that it can make a huge impact and almost an, an immediate impact. Other organizations should take note that we can't ignore issues of organizational design. Uh, it has, It's foundational to what makes the organization. And so many times these types of things get ignored. They get put aside or leaders who don't have a lot of expertise in org design, org development and change, they, they don't see the importance. And so simply it's an afterthought and they don't realize how, how vital it is to a successful, sustainable, long-term organization, particularly in a hyper-competitive, technical, and disruptive space like the tech industry is. Well, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope this example of Apple has been useful for you. And in the coming weeks, I will explore part two and part three of the Harvard Business Review series, Exploring Apple. As always, thank you for joining me. designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think.